Hey there, this is AJ. I'm so glad you've joined us today on Faith for My Generation podcast. I want to remind you that our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word, and our mission is to create a resource of teachings that build strong faith in God. You know, that really is my prayer, that as you hear this message today, that the power of God's Word, anointed by the Holy Spirit, will stir up your most holy faith in Him so that you can be a light and a witness and a testimony of the living God in this earth. I pray that this message will richly bless you and increase you in spirit, soul, and in body. Now, let's get to the message. Amen. Are you thankful for Jesus and the work he's done in your life? Is he sitting on the throne of your heart? Amen. I tell you what, I'm excited. I've got a word that the Lord's put on my heart, and I'm, I'm ready to pour it out. I'm going to do the best I can, but I believe even better the Holy Spirit's going to minister to you and I by his word. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's just say, let's just pray as we prepare our hearts to go before the Lord and receive of his word. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that even now the Holy Ghost is here in this place. We thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Open our eyes. Holy Spirit, let us see the truths of your glory in your word. Even now, Father, we receive it by your grace, your finished work in Christ Jesus, your word made manifest to us, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, that you are effectually working in us things beyond our wildest dreams or imaginations, Lord. And we just want to openly say, Father, we believe in you. We believe your word. And we thank you with you, Father God. Nothing is impossible. In Jesus' name, if you agree, won't you shout amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, turn with me to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. We are going to look at a particular man in the Bible that is probably one of my heroes of faith. There's a lot of different wonderful people that the Lord put in his word, amen, that show us many powerful, faithful testimonies of how they live their life, men and women. Amen. Men and women in the scripture. And we can see, we can glean truths from their lives, how they lived, how they interacted with God and what God said to them. Because here's the reality. If God's done it for one person, he'll do it for you. If God has said something to one, he said it to all. There is no prophecy of private interpretation. The book of Second Peter says God's word is a message to you. So let's turn to Numbers chapter 13. We're going to do a little bit of reading. That OK today? Yeah, you came to church anyway, right? What would we read instead, the newspaper? <laughs> no, I'd rather not be lied to. Amen. <laughs> Numbers chapter 13, verse 1. Numbers thir- That was a joke. It's all right. You might catch it on the way home. Numbers 13. But it, it, was, it was satire, which means it has some truth in it. Numbers 13, verse 1 is where we're going to begin. We're going to look at this man named Caleb and see exactly what we can learn from him. Numbers chapter 13, verse 1. Just follow along with me. I'm going to let you know where we're going once we, we're going to jump around a little bit in these two chapters. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Send you men that they may search out the land of Canaan, which I give, someone say give, unto the children of Israel. For of every tribe of their fathers shall you send a man, and everyone a ruler among them. Before we read any more, I want you to see this. The people of Israel, because of a famine some years before, came down to Egypt. 
You know the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis. There was a great famine, and because Joseph had some pretty terrible brothers, I tell you what, they sold him into slavery. You know, it's one thing not to like your sibling. It's another to beat them up, throw them in a pit, and then auction them off. Amen? <laughs> you might think you, had a rough, you have rough family life, but I tell you what, if you've not been thrown in the pit, when you, if you came back from Thanksgiving not being thrown in the pit, you had a little bit better home life than Joseph did. Amen? So the Lord prepared Joseph, brought him to, through a series of miraculous events, the favor of the Lord on Joseph, and he came to Egypt. And I like the spirit that's in Joseph because he started out a slave and ended up the ambassador, the second man, the prime minister right under Pharaoh in Egypt. I've always said it. If you're going to be like Joseph, be like this. If you're going to be in jail, if you're going to be a prisoner, run the prison. If you're going to be a servant, be the head servant. And if you're going to be sold into another nation, run the place. That's what the spirit of Joseph, that's what that Holy Spirit in him brought him to that place. And because of that, he prepared a place so that when there was famine, where his father and family were, he was able to bring them to Egypt. Now, at no point did God ever say, live there. Because his father and his father's father, Abraham, was promised this land that we just read in verse 2, this land of Canaan. No, they were only supposed to go there for a time and season. They were not supposed to live in Egypt. Someone say, will of God. If you're outside the will of God, you'll never make it. But if you're in the will of God, you'll always make it. And so they were in Egypt for a time. They shouldn't have been there as long as they were. But because they were, what happens? They end up multiplying because the blessing of Abraham's on them. They become so exceedingly great that a new Pharaoh that did not know Joseph, Joseph passed away, and that Pharaoh that knew Joseph, he passes away. Another Pharaoh comes along, and he says, wait a minute, these folks, they're foreigners, and they're getting greater than us. I know what we should do. Let's enslave them. You know the story. God sends a deliverer. Anytime there's bondage, God always sends a way of deliverance. And for you and I, it's King Jesus. He sends Moses the deliverer. And as you know, the story goes through ten plagues, different things, the hand of God on Egypt in judgment. They come out of Egypt. They come out of bondage. And they spend at this point when we're reading in Numbers 13, they've been in the wilderness about two weeks. Not too long. Maybe just a little bit longer than most people go on vacation. Now, I wouldn't advise going through the wilderness they went to vacation at. Might, might not be as pretty scenery as maybe going to, uh, you know, the beach side. But here they are, they're about two weeks, and they get to this point where now is the time to go into the promised land. Someone say promised land. They're going into the promised land, and the Lord tells Moses, send out 12 men, one from each tribe, and go and look at this land, verse 2, that I give unto the children of Israel. Now let's keep reading. Verse 17, same chapter, verse 17. And Moses sent them, those twelve spies, to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get up this way southward and go into the mountain. He's telling them where to start and go through. And see the land and what it is and the people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad. What cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and the land, and what the land is, whether it be fat or rich or plentiful or lean, without resources. 
whether there be wood therein, trees to build with or not. And be ye of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. Bring something back. We want to see it. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. Now notice here what Moses has told these spies to go out and do. He said, I'm going to send you out into this promised land that the Lord has given you. I want you to go and I want you to take a survey of what's yours. Go ahead, start out from the south and work your way up and look at everything I've given you. And then bring us back a report so we all know what God has given us. Take and look and see. Is it a rich, beautiful land? And it was. We'll see that in just a minute. And then take it, look, look at all the people. Survey the people here that are inhabiting this land that is yours. And really, as an aside, you might think, well, why did they have to push these people out through warfare? Well, the people that were inhabiting the land were living in wickedness. Openly. I mean, there's never been a time, you can look through all the prophets, there's never been a time where God did not send judgment, that he did not first say, if you'll repent, I won't judge you. God said in Exodus 33, he said, I will have mercy on who I will have mercy on. And every time, before the Lord is just, if he were not to say, look, don't do that, because the here's the consequence, if he didn't say that, he wouldn't be just. But these people, they, they, they'd received and they had a conscience, amen? How many knows you know when you're doing something wrong? We might like to pretend we don't, because it might say, well, I didn't know. No, we knew, we knew, amen. Now look at verse 24, or verse 25, same chapter, verse 25. They search out the land, and they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all, someone say all, all the congregation of the children of Israel, unto the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh, and brought back word unto them. Someone say word. word. Brought back a word unto them and unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We come unto the land where you sent us. Surely it flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. They found these wonderful big strands of grapes. So they say the grapes that grow here in the promised land. The one, you know, you might buy, buy a bunch of grapes, right? You know, not like a bunch as in a lot, but you know, one section is called a bunch, right? Maybe they're black grapes, you like green grapes, whatever you like. But you buy a bunch in the bag, you know, you pay by the pound. And I mean, I saw some of the best grapes I saw were just, was last week. My mother-in-law had them at her house, and they were about that big. They were pretty big, and they tasted pretty good. But these grapes, just one bunch was 20, 30 pounds heavy, like, like plums. So much so that when they cut it off, they put it on a pole, and two men carried it back. Ladies, how does that sound, men doing the grocery shopping? That's all right, isn't it? They brought back the grapes. Verse 28. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites, which Pastor just talked about with Saul and Samuel, dwell in the land of the south. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. Now, obviously, when these spies are telling a survey of what they saw, you would imagine people's hearts began to faint, began to melt. We're going to see that in just one second as we continue to read here. But here, my man, Caleb, 
he shows up on the scene. Verse 30, and Caleb, who was one of the spies, he saw everything these people saw. He saw the people that were in the land. He saw the walls that were built. He saw them just like they did. But what was Caleb's report? Verse 30, Caleb stilled the people. He quieted the people. Hush, 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 listen, listen, listen. Before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it. For we are well able to overcome it. You're about to see what takes place here. Someone say, possess the land. What we're talking about today is three things that we're going to see in Caleb's life. Three things that Caleb had, a quality that was in him, that's in you, because the same spirit that was in Caleb is in you, because the spirit of the Lord was in Caleb. And there are three things that the spirit of the Lord manifested in him that brought him to a place of victory, that brought him to a place of possessing what was rightfully his. Caleb, he's, he's giving this report. But what happens? The other ten, there's twelve. We all know that it said there's twelve. There's two righteous, Caleb and Joshua. But the other ten, they say this in verse 31. Look here at verse 31. But the men that went up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people. For they are stronger than we. You know, at first, first they said they are strong. These people, they're strong. But now it's not just they're strong, it's they're stronger. Verse 32, they brought up and someone say it, evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. They're giants. They're not just any regular old men that fight. They're big bad boys. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we are in their sight. Continuing to ver chapter 14, I want you to see this, and we're going to see a couple things that Caleb did. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. Tell you what, it sounded like they were all watching the evening news, wasn't it? And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt. The spies were there for 40 days. Before that, it took about, uh, about 11 days to go from where they had the Ten Commandments and that altar in that place to Kadesh Barnea. So we're about 50 days into this journey, 50 days into this. And here they get to this point, and they say, would the God we just died in Egypt? Not even two months into them getting to the place of receiving their inheritance. Here they are, would we just died in Egypt? Look, they continue to murmur and complain. Or would God we had died in the wilderness? Oh, my goodness. 50 days. What, if we could just fell down dead in the wilderness. Verse 3. And wherefore has the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword? They're still with this evil report. That our wives and our children should be prey. Whether it not be better for us to return unto Egypt. Would it not be better for us to return unto Egypt? Egypt's been obliterated by ten plagues by the hand of God. There's nothing left. 
when the Israelites were leaving, it said that literally the Egyptians were handing over silver and gold and riches. Just leave, man. Just get out of here. Go, go, go. We don't want you here anymore. The place was plundered. They took everything that Egypt had as far as wealth concerned. They took the livestock. All the livestock that the Egyptians had was dead. The crops were dead. Oh, if we could only go back to Egypt. If we could only go back to Egypt. And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return unto Egypt. Here they are, they want to have some rebellion take place. And as Pastor Red, as the Bible says in 1 Samuel, rebellions like witchcraft before the Lord. It's a work of evil to rebel against what God has said. Now notice, we're going to finish up here and get into a few things. Verse 6, and Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, they tore their clothes and they spoke unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. And if, someone say if, if, if the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us. A land which flows with milk and honey, only rebel, someone say rebel, rebel, rebel not against the Lord. Neither fear, someone say fear, Fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Fear them not. I know we read a good bit, but I need to get through that because we have to set something up in our spirit here. Caleb, he is just, he is right along with everyone else. So is Joshua. Joshua and Caleb, they're with these 12 spies. They've searched out this beautiful land, and they have the same word of the Lord that the other 10 spies have, which is go and search out the land that I've given to you. Go and take a look at this land that's yours. And Caleb and Joshua, they see the very same things that the other 10 spies see. They see the exact same people. They see the giants right along with the other 10. They see the massive walls that have been built, just like the other 10 spies. But their report was a completely different report. In fact, the ten spies, the Bible tells us, it, they brought up an evil report. They brought up an evil report. Now notice this. What is the evil report? It's not that, oh, there's giants in the land. No, that's factual. There were giants in the land. The evil report was not, there's walls. Oh, the walls were real. If you, if you were there, you could have walked up and touched them. Or walked on top of them. They were real. The, the promised land really was a place flowing with milk and honey. And, and, and uh, an analogy saying that it's an abundant land where it has rivers. Deuteronomy 11, it talks about how this promised land, it wasn't like Egypt. Egypt was a bountiful land because they irrigated it. You know, they brought water out from the Nile. But in the promised land, God watered it. How many knows rain makes a difference? Even in the year 2020, if it don't rain, we can have all the technology we have, all the discoveries we have. If it don't rain, well, someone ain't going to eat in a, after a little bit of no rain, amen? Or you're going to have to work out that pantry. And that might not be very good meals if you have to go through and clean out your pantry. At our house, we'd be eating diced tomatoes and pinto beans for a while. Because I went and looked in the pantry. I was looking for some cooking oil, and I just couldn't find it. I usually keep stuff stocked up in the pantry. And I said, my goodness, if we ever... Run out of food, we're going to have so many tomatoes and pinto beans. I mean, I don't know if that would be suitable living with that many pinto beans in the house. And then I'm going to turn red from all the tomatoes. But, no, this was a place where God looked over it. 
where God said, this is a bountiful place. And, and so much so that in Deuteronomy 11, it says, if you'll go here, if you obey my word and you live here and possess it, it will be as days of heaven on earth. Amen. Oh, that sounds like what Jesus said in Matthew 6. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, even as it's in heaven. Let the will of heaven come to earth. Now, Caleb, they're searching out. He's right alongside these 10 spies for 40 days. Now, we don't know anything about the 40 days. And I'm not, what I'm about to say isn't scripture. It's just my opinion. You've got one, too. I think mine's better. No, I'm just kidding. We all got to, we can just add to it. We can just add to it uh, in the sense of, you know, imagine, right? Yeah, you can imagine. Because the Bible doesn't list every single thing that took place. For instance, what happened during the 40 days? We just know they were there for 40 days, right? But I tell you what, if this 10 was this depressed and bent out of shape to lead millions of people, the whole nation, y'all, to lead millions of people into fear, to doubt and unbelief. I'm talking about it hadn't been two months since they saw 10 plagues. They saw the Red Sea split in half and walled up on each side. And the psalmist said they didn't just walk through on mud. They went through on dry land. God won't just split the sea. He'll make sure your shoes don't get muddy. I'm talking about exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think of. Ephesians 3.20. <laughs> I just asked for a child. I didn't know I would get this beautiful, sweet little girl. Every time I see her, I see her mama in her. Amen. They had just seen the Red Sea split and then come down on the armies of Pharaoh. They had ate bread of heaven. It was so good, they said, ooh, ooh what is this? Then they complained after that, right? They got tired of that bunny bread. And then they, and the Lord sent quail. And the Lord said, look, you murmured, you complained, I'm going to send so much quail. And y'all ain't got no freezers. I'm going to blow this place out with quail, and it's going to be knee-high. And they ate and ate until they got sick. Uh-oh, no one did that on Thanksgiving, did they? No, I've learned, I've, I've developed an art. I eat till I'm about to pop. And what do you do, Todd? Wait 30 minutes, because that's when the pie is coming out. And you, you get just a little bit of pie, and then you wait about an hour. Sleep a little. Don't get up move. That might mess something up. Just sleep a little, and then you'll eat first dinner, right? Turn on another movie. Fall asleep and eat second dinner. And then tomorrow, Friday, the next day afterwards, you think, wow, there's still more. Praise God. <laughs> These spies, I don't know what they would have been saying on the 40 days they were there. Each day it must have got a little bit worse. I, I would imagine that Joshua and Caleb, they were probably sharing the same tent. Because I know this, I wouldn't want to be Caleb or Joshua sharing the tent with some of these other guys. Oh, my goodness. It's only been four days. We've got 36 more days, and these giants just keep on getting bigger. My goodness, what are we going to do? Y'all, hey, settle down. The Lord said he's going to give us the land. Cheer up, people. Day 16, my goodness. Did you just see that wall? They got walls and walls and walls and only one door, and that's where all the soldiers are. My goodness, how are we going to get through it? They began to fear. They began to allow a deceiving lie and a deceiving word take hold of their heart. You know, it's no different today. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us that the things that took place in the Old Testament, 
they are shadows and types. They're examples to us so that we can see the principles by which God orders his kingdom. And 1 Corinthians 10 says, look, they, fell, they murmured and then fell in the wilderness dead. That was their, that we're going to see that in just a second. That was the retribution of their unbelief and doubt, which in God's eyes is rebellion. And, and 1 Corinthians 10 says, look, take advice, learn from their mistakes, learn from this example, so you won't follow the same path they did. Because we say it, God's no respecter of persons. We talk oftentimes with that with receiving in prayer and blessing, amen? But hey, God's no respecter of persons. If he said, this is wrong, it's wrong for you, it's wrong for me, it's wrong for you, it's wrong for anyone. If God said, don't do it, there's punishment for it. There's punishment regardless of who does it. And 1 Corinthians 10 said, look, learn by example. How many knows there's some things you'd rather learn by example than experience them yourselves? Amen, right? There's just something. You know, I, I, we're doing a lot of cooking Wednesday. I know that knife that I'm using to slice up that turkey is sharp. I don't need to experience it to know it's sharp. I mean, imagine, that would be a hard life, wouldn't it be? I wonder if this knife is sharp. And just cut yourself. Man, I mean, you, would, you wouldn't get any cooking done. You'd be in the emergency room all every holiday. No, there's some things you can learn by example. And Caleb, here he is. They come back after these 40 days. And Caleb says, now listen, look. Everything they said is true, but let's stop talking about it. Let's go up and possess the land. Look at it one more time so you can have your eyes on it. Numbers 13, verse 30. And Caleb stilled the people. He quieted them. He settled them down before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able. Someone say, well able. Well able to overcome it. Well able to overcome it. More than enough able to overcome it. Caleb had a different spirit. This is the first thing you're going to see in Caleb. Caleb had a different spirit. Someone say different spirit. In fact, Numbers 14, verse 24. You're right there, probably just a page over or a flick of the finger over. November, uh, excuse me, Numbers 14, verse 24. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Notice three things there. Caleb had a different spirit about himself. Caleb fully followed the Lord. Wholly followed the Lord. And Caleb was a man of faith and a man of war. How do I know that? Because he took possession of what God said was his. Now, the first thing there, Caleb had a different spirit. He had a totally different spirit. And because he had a different spirit, a spirit of faith, he had a different mouth. If you've got a different spirit, you've got a different mouth. If you've got a redeemed spirit, you've got a redeemed mouth. If you've got a spirit full of faith, you've got a mouth full of faith. When you get around some people, you might have to quiet, quieten yourself. You might have to steal yourself like Caleb did with the nation of Israel. When you begin to hear some reports, when you begin to get something that is contrary to what God's word has said, I don't know, maybe it's about healing. 
Think about that. 1 Peter 2.24, the second half of it says, By his stripes we were healed. We possess it. We possess healing. Christ has given it to us. I'm going to give you this land. Go and take a look at the land I'm giving you. Oh, we can possess it. We're well able to overcome it. By your stripes, by his stripes, you have been healed. Well, this is what the report says. There were walls there. There were giants there. But the difference was Caleb said, <laughs> these giants, they're going to be our lunch. They're going to be our bread. This report, this factual claim that is contrary to what God has promised in his word, it's going to be my dinner tonight. Because what God has said is true in my life, and I'm going to possess it. Caleb had a different spirit, so it made his mouth sound different. Immediately, immediately after Caleb said, we're well able to possess it, and we're well able to overcome it, what was their reply? The ten spies said, no way. They're stronger than us. How'd they know? They arm wrestle with them 40 days there? They have a couple wrestling matches? Wrestling matches, not wrestling, it's wrestling. They have some wrestling matches? They pitch stones, see who could throw farther? How'd they know they were stronger? And what did they eventually say? And we are like grasshoppers. Not in their, they did say in their sight, but first they said, we are like grasshoppers in our own sight. Caleb had a different spirit. He saw himself the way God saw him. You've got to see yourself as who you really are. An in Christ person. Someone say, I am in Christ. And Christ is in me. You've got to see yourself that way. You've got to see yourself as the Bible said. I've been translated to heavenly places. I'm under the shadow of the almighty wing of God. Ain't no giant in the land going to take what's mine. He's going to be my lunch. And I didn't eat breakfast today, so I'm hungry. I don't like to eat before I speak. Because burping in between words isn't good. <laughs> Caleb had a different spirit. He had a different spirit, so he had a different mouth. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You might say, well, that's, that sounds pretty good, AJ. I like where you're going so far, but you know, that's Old Testament. And maybe in the New Testament, well, maybe it just don't work that way. Well, one, that's a lie of the devil because God has not, will not, never will change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God said, for I am the Lord God, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Malachi 3, 6. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13. Look here, it says, we having the same spirit. Someone say, same spirit. Same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believe. Therefore, have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore, someone say it out loud. Speak. I believe it, so I'm going to speak it. Caleb believed what he had heard. Caleb had believed what was written. Look at this. You're in 2 Corinthians. Turn to Genesis, the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 12. Let's just see what Caleb had heard. Let's look at a few. Not These aren't all the examples by any means. This is just a few. Genesis chapter 12, verse 7. Genesis 12, verse 7. The Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto your seed will I give this land. There build he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. 
The Lord came to Abram and said, I'm going to give this dirt. It's going to be yours. And it's going to be your children's and your children's children. This land, it's yours. And we know Abraham rehearsed that before his children. In fact, Genesis 18, the Lord says, look, not only is Abraham of pure blood in the sense that his lineage and his, fa and his family had stayed pure from the sexual relations of these fallen angels that took place and, and, and this wickedness that was taking place in the earth, not only did they stay pure and had a pure bloodline, but it also says that I know Abraham and he will raise up his children in the ways of the Lord. So I know that Abraham told Isaac, Isaac, this is your dirt. Well, how, how so, Daddy? God said it. God said it. Now, look at that. You're in Genesis. Turn to Exodus 33. We're going to do some flipping today. That's all right, but we came to church to read the Bible and study it. Amen? Amen. Exodus 33, verse 1. Fast forward to Moses. The Lord said to Moses, Exodus 33, verse 1. Depart and go up from here, you and the people, which you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto a land which I swore unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, unto your seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. And for I will not go up in the midst of thee, for you are a stiff-necked people, lest I consume you, in the way, there's some more things going on here that we're not looking at today, but hey, there's some homework for the week. Study that out, Exodus 32 through 34. That Moses, he begins to intercede for the nation of Israel because they have fallen into sin. In fact, when we get to Numbers 13, before they're about to go into the promised land, Israel has sinned openly as a nation ten times before God. On average, every five days, they committed a national sin before the Lord. No wonder why God said, you stiff-necked people. I'm trying, I'm trying to bring you into something that I've given you. I'm trying to bring you into the goodness of which I promised you. But you've got so much of this Egypt left in you that you can't get where I want to take you. You know, Egypt is a type and shadow. In fact, 1 Corinthians 10 talks about that. Egypt is a type and shadow of sin. Just like the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, we too, before the blood of Christ, purged our heart. We, too, were bondage, enslaved to sin. We were slaves to the curse of the law. We were slaves to sickness and disease and lack and depression and anxiety and fear. We were slaves to it. There's only two sides, Satan and the Lord. There is no middle ground. I know that the age of the lying, deceiving spirit of Satan in this age would have people think there's a middle ground. Well, you know, I'm, I, I don't, I'm not... Really this or that, but I believe in the Lord, but yeah, I don't do this or do that. Nah, nah. No, you got to take sides. You got to pick a side and lock in and say, I'm going to possess what God has given me. Because Moses right here, he's saying, look, it's ours to take it. Exodus 33. Then you move to Numbers 13. We read it. Go out, search the land that I'm going to give you. Deuteronomy 11, seven times in that chapter. Seven different times in Deuteronomy chapter 11. The Lord, through Moses, reminds the people of Israel, go in and possess it, it's yours. Go in and possess it, 
it's yours. Do you know if you begin to make the Word of God the Lord of your life, you'll begin to see what is rightfully yours again and again and again and again? Not just one time, not just two times, but from front cover to back cover, you'll begin to see that God has given you the inheritance, His glorious inheritance through Christ Jesus. And the more you put it in your heart, the more you speak it out loud, your faith's going to grow up and get stronger, and you're going to take hold of what is yours. Caleb had a different spirit. And because he had a different spirit, a spirit of faith, he had a different mouth. He said what God said. You notice that? These ten spies, they brought an evil report before the Lord and before the children of Israel. They brought an evil report. What was evil about it? We can't do what God said we can do. Oh, it sounds good. Yes, maybe in the sweet by and by we'll have all these promises in God's word. Oh, but not now. Oh, no, not now. Lord, uh, we just hold on long enough. No, if you hold on too long, you're going to pass over into the sweet by and by, never taking hold of what God has given you in the here, now, and now. You know, people talk about the sweet by and by. I think I'm just going to live in the sweet now and now. I just believe that the blood of Christ and the work of the Holy Ghost is enough to give unto me everything this word has promised. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For the promises of God are in Christ. How many are in Christ today? And in Him, amen. In Him, yes and amen. Well, if you're in Christ, you've got half the job done. You just have to be a yes and amen. What's amen? So be it, Lord. And that's what Caleb was rehearsing before the Lord and before the people of Israel. Quiet yourselves down. Don't become fearful because what's in the headlines? Just because your buddies say it around the water cooler, you don't have to take fear. You don't have to doubt God. Well, I know they say that. Them, them preachers, they say that, but I just don't see how you can have what all they say you can have. No preacher said what you can have. The Lord God said you could have it in His Word. And whether it's you, me, or anyone else, when we speak this Word, it's ours. And by faith, we'll receive it. Caleb had a different spirit about himself. You know, you've you got to make a line in the sand and say, I ain't, I ain't moving past this. You know, there's a deceiving spirit in the earth, and it, it, it shows itself in so many ways. But this past year, <laughs> it, it, it's like, uh, you know... We used to say peace and goodwill is what we want for Christmas, right? Just peace and goodwill. I think for me, when I'm saying, Lord, just give the earth a spine and common sense. Because we're in deficit of it. Grab a hold of what you believe and don't let go. Who's to say? Well, they say. Who is they? And who writes their check? Because I'll tell them. Send it to me, and I will have a better, they say. Who is they? Well, you know, them. Experts. I'm all for experts. But I haven't met an expert on the earth that isn't human. And I don't know about you, but maybe in your humanity, like me, you may have said a few things that weren't true. Not, not even intentionally. 
just because we don't know everything. Or no, well, may I just, I'm the one that doesn't know everything. I won't put that on y'all, right? <laughs> Humans don't know everything. Amen. We only know what we can see, hear, touch, taste. And by the grace of God, what he'll reveal in our heart. But if you don't have the spirit of the Lord, my goodness, you're in short supply of truth. No, Caleb, we can't do it. They're stronger than us. Who said? Our imagination. We kept looking on these giants for so long, for 40 days. Oh, we saw the hand of God. We saw him split the Red Sea wide open. We had to dust off our sandals, not wash them, because he dried the seabed. But in 40 days, I have forgotten what the Lord has done, and what my eyes have looked on for 40 days has changed what I believe in my heart. Therefore, I say they're stronger than us, Caleb. What was the difference? Caleb was rehearsing to him. He had to have been. The Bible says it. He had a spirit of faith, and he was rehearsed. Every time he saw a giant, he said, buddy. Let me get my hands on you. You're quick work. You're only 12 foot. I just saw guys over here. They're 15. You ain't nothing. You're warm-up material for the other ones. You know, that's how the promises of God work in your life. Begin to believe God at wherever you're at. Begin to store up the word of God in your heart like a savings account. John Osteen, Joel's father, he would say that all the time. Store up the word of, your God, of word of God in your heart because you never know when you might have to make a demand on it. If you don't ever put a deposit in your savings account, when you have a need, you've got no check to write. Oh, you can write it, but they're going to charge you a $35 fine, and you ain't got nothing in the account to begin with because you haven't deposited nothing. Caleb had something stored up on the inside of him. Go ahead. When's the, when is the best time to store up? The word of God in your heart. Right yesterday was the best time. The next best time's right now. Well, I, I, I've heard that healing stuff, AJ, and I'm not sick right now. But you, you need to have the healing scriptures memorized and birthed into your belly and your spirit now. Because I tell you what, you don't feel like confessing the word when you're sick. And you certainly don't need to play games with your life. Well, you know, I, I'm, I see what the Bible says about financial provision. But if you don't treat the word of God concerning financial provision and blessing like you do your paycheck, every time you get some in, you set it in a savings account, when you need to make a demand, there'll be nothing there. Well, you know, I've, I'm, I'm having it pretty good. I don't know if I really need to study or confess the word of God about peace in my life. You confess that God is your peace now. So that when turmoil come against you, you're not weak and defenseless. Because what will happen is what your eyes are looking at will deceive what your heart did believe. You store it up now. You put it in a savings account now in your spirit. So that nothing these eyes look on. My goodness, it's 2020. If there's anything that has taught us, don't believe everything your eyes see. Especially if it's on social media. Because it's got seven filters on it anyway. And they've pulled in the, the, the wide parts and stretched out the thin parts. 
And baby, whoever's on that social media account isn't even the real person when you see them in real life. <laughs> we took some, some uh, family pictures just a few days ago, right after Thanksgiving. I don't know why we took them right after we ate. Because, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a, a, a thin, mean, fighting machine. But after a little bit of Thanksgiving, it made me look heavier than I really was. Or maybe, I, maybe my eyes were seeing something that wasn't true. We took pictures, though, and I said, my goodness, Lord, this looks good. Of course, Naomi's in it. It's going to look great. She said, yeah, I touched you up a little bit. <laughs> touched me up? I didn't know I needed any touching. Touching up. Glory to God. I mean, when I look in that mirror, I think, oh, you know. Uh, we're good to go. Touch me up. I said, surely you didn't spend too long of a time touching me. Oh, yeah, well, just touched you up a little bit. Don't believe everything your eyes see, everything your ears hear. There's tr truth comes from one place, God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Not, I have some truth, or I'll tell you truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. What I am, my existence, who I am as a God is truth. Amen. What I do is truth. What I say is truth. How I react with people is truth. My compassion to heal is truth. If you see me do it, it's truth. If you see me say it, it's truth. Jesus is truth. Don't believe everything your ears hear. Judge the source it comes from. Jesus, the Lord said this to the people of Edom, Esau's descendants, you know, Jacob and Esau. They went and started this nation called Edom. And in the book of Obadiah, short little minor prophet, one chapter long, God said, I'm bringing judgment because for several different reasons, there's actually four reasons I'm bringing judgment against you, Edom. And because he's merciful, he sent the prophet Obadiah to tell him, if you don't change, this is what will happen. God always does that. And he said, one of the reasons judgment is coming against you because you've put so much faith in your wise men, your experts. You take pride in it. In fact, you boast about how everyone comes to Edom to find the truth. But there ain't no truth in you, Edom. The spirit of faith will speak the word of God because the spirit of faith is born of the word of God. And that's exactly what you and I have to do to possess the land. Amen. To possess, talking about Obadiah, it says, In that day in Mount Zion concerning Jesus, I will send deliverance. And the sons of Jacob will possess their possessions. Caleb was able to possess his possessions because he had a different spirit. And because he had a different spirit, it came out differently from his mouth. Well, I don't believe about that confession stuff. Too late for me. Because I have what I say I have. Because I say the word of God. Well, what if, you don't, what if it ain't it right now? I'm going to keep on saying it till I possess it. Well, now, look here, I'm not going to lie. You know, some people say, well, I'm not going to lie. I can't say what I don't have. No, what you, what you mean is you can't say what's not in your hand right now. What I'm saying is mine is mine because it is in Christ. 
what I'm saying is mine is in heaven where I'm at spiritually seated behind, beside the right hand of the Father. And God has said, it's mine. AJ, it's yours because I've given it to you through Christ Jesus. In fact, turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. You know, I told you, Laura will joke about this on the way home, but I told you three things that Caleb, uh, we could see in Caleb. I'm still on the first one, and time is running out, so forever in eternity you'll think, what were the other two points, I wonder? But you, you just read Numbers 13, 14, Joshua 14, you'll find the other two. But look at this, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What shall we then say to these things, these giants in the land, these walled-up cities? If God be for us, who can be against us? My goodness, that sounds like Caleb. Let's go up now. Obedience acts right now. In fact, so much so, delayed obedience is disobedience. If you know what to do, do it now. Don't delay. There's never a better time to do the right thing than right now. Caleb said, let's go up now and possess it. Take hold of it. Get what's ours. For we are well able to overcome it. You read it in the next chapter, Numbers 14. Joshua, he came in. He chimed in beside Caleb. Look, look, look. If we don't rebel... If we won't fear, if we'll only believe, if we'll do what God has told us to do, he'll find delight in us, and he will give us the land. What then shall we say? If God be for us, who can be against us? Notice verse 32. He, God the Father, that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Does that include you? How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? The book of 1 Peter says that God has given unto you all things pertaining unto life and godliness. There's a promised land that you and I have. It's ours. Possess it. Begin to possess it with the words of faith flowing from your heart through your mouth. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. And that's in Matthew. And Luke said it this way by the Holy Spirit. He said, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent men press in. Press in. Ephesians 6. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. The work of faith to possess what God has promised you is simply yielding and obeying the word of the Lord. We saw it in Numbers 14, 24. No, every spy, those ten, and every fighting man above the age of 20, God said, 
every person, excuse me, every fighting soldier, over 600,000 men that were ready to go into the promised land and take it. Every one of them. But Joshua and Caleb and the Levites, they will not enter into my rest. And God judged them. A terrible judgment. It'd be one thing to just be struck down dead. And 23,000 of them that day, Dothan and Abiram, they were swallowed up for witchcraft. You think potholes are bad around here? I've never been swallowed up where I couldn't get out. I thought I fell in one and couldn't get out. You know, and then they come and patched it, and what was it? It was a smaller pothole. No, it was a bump. Take the bump, take the pothole, move it up. So then we bump over it instead of falling in. They were judged. They didn't get to enter into the rest of the Lord. You see that, that enter into the rest of the Lord? The book of Hebrews chapter 3 says, look, by faith you can enter into this rest. Amen. Chapter 4 verse 1 it says, lest therefore we fear and fail, fall short to enter into his rest. Amen. What's the rest of the Lord? His promises. Amen. Letting the work and the spirit of God bring to pass what he says is mine. That's where you rest. But you have to do some possessing to rest. Caleb had to do some possessing to rest. In fact, we're, we're going to finish up here. Turn with me to John, Joshua. Joshua chapter 14. Joshua 14. 45 years later. 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness. Where they were. They were right on the outskirts. They actually, Kadesh Barnea, which is what, where they were in Numbers 13 and 14 that we read, where they were standing was right, the, it was the very edge of the promised land. They were there. And these spies went all through the promised land. Everything that God said was theirs and he had, not was going to, he had given them was right before their eyes. And because of doubt and unbelief in what God said he would do if they would simply obey and go into that land, because of that, God saw it as rebellion and said, fine, you won't have it. You won't cooperate in this covenant I've made with Abraham and now you. Fine. They walk around for 40 years. Not because the Lord was teaching, but the younger generation, the, that generation that was supposed to go into the promised land, he wasn't teaching them. He was waiting them out till they died. And then, once that 40 years is up, they go into the promised land. They spend about five years fighting and battling and going from victory to victory to victory. And the only time they didn't win a victory was because there was sin in a camp. That's a whole other story. You can go from victory to victory to victory. Just don't ever let sin get in the camp. Now notice this, Joshua 14. Here we come to this point. They've been fighting for five years, possessing what God says is theirs. Verse 6, then the children of Judah came up to Joshua and Gilgal. And Caleb, my man Caleb, he was 40 the last time we saw him. Now he's 85. And the son of Jephunneh. The Kezanite said unto him, you know the thing that the, who said it? 
Lord said unto Moses, the man of God concerning me and you in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again. Notice, as it was in my heart. Caleb's report was a good report, not evil. Because he said what was in his heart. And what was in his heart? All the factual things he saw with God's promise on top of it. All I did, Joshua, was say what was in my heart. Yes, there's giants. Yes, there's walls. And yes, we are able to take them. Let's do it right now. Verse 8. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. You know, if you have a different spirit and you begin to speak the word of God, it's because you're following God with your, your whole heart. And here's the reality. If Caleb followed the Lord wholly with his heart or wholeheartedly, well, then we can follow the Lord half-heartedly or no-heartedly, and it just be an outward show. But whose decision was it to follow the Lord wholly? Caleb's. God didn't make down and come down and zap him. You're going to follow me wholeheartedly. If he was going to, why didn't he do it to the three million Israelites so that they just march right on in? Well, because love is about choosing. And God wanted someone that would love him, so he gave them choice. And Caleb said, I followed you with my whole heart. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your feet have trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have followed, wholly followed the Lord my God. It gets better. Now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. And he said, these 45 years, even the Lord spoke this word unto Moses. While the children wandered of Israel wandered in the wilderness. Now I am this day 85 years old. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then. Even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Caleb, he says it right here in verse 10. For 45 years, I've been carrying this promise of God. Caleb was in a particular peculiar situation. He was in, his promise had to do with the trajectory of a nation. And because you and I have the free, free will to choose, God's birthed it in us, Caleb had to suffer, not because of God's hand, but because the rest of the nation chose to rebel against God. So you need to make it out of it. It's an important difference you need to make. This word that Caleb received had to do with a nation. There's promises of God on our nation. And in order for our nation to receive these things. Because how do we know that? Because there's people of God in this nation. You won't find America in the Bible as such by name. But it's in the Bible when it says the righteous. If we come into power, then the people rejoice. But sometimes the Lord's got to crush the wicked to change that nation. Now, no, But Caleb said, look, I'm just as strong today. I can go in. And if I go in to take this land, I'm coming back. 
I'm not going in to fight and die. No, I'm going to possess what God says is mine and live in it. That dirt I walked on once before, I'm going to walk on it again. I'm going to raise my children in it. I'm going to build houses. Verse 12, coming to an end. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. Caleb, 85 years old, didn't ask for a valley. It's much easier to go to a valley. Much easier to go to a flat place. He said, give me the mountain. I want the mountain. Save, save the easier places to take for those young whippersnappers that grew up in the wilderness. Give me the mountain. Whereof the Lord spoke in that day, that for you heard in that day how the Anakims were there. And the cities, here it is, he's rehearsing the factual truth. The cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out. As the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Hebron, for an inheritance. And he drove out. Judges 1 tells us that Caleb drove out the giants from his land. There are promises all through the word of God. They're yours. They're for you. Possess them. Take a hold of them by faith. Don't allow anything your natural eyes see to make you waver. Don't allow any opinion, yours or anyone else's. Don't allow any other statement, whether even if they may be factual, like these walls and giants were, to ever supersede or be greater than the word of the Lord. If God has said it, then it's going to be true in my life. If God's promised it, it's mine. And I'll see it just as surely as the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. The promises of God are mine. I have them now. And I'm going to keep possessing. I'm going to keep taking for the Lord. I'm going to press in with violent faith, knowing that it is given unto me by God. And if I'll wholly, fully follow the Lord, He will drive out the inhabitants before me. As I take a step of faith into the promised land, each step I take into the promises of God, the Lord's pushing back forces of wickedness and evil that would might say, no, 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 I'm not going to let you have your healing. I'm not going to let you have your provision. I'm not going to let you have peace in your home or your children saved and in heaven. Devil, you're a liar. It's mine and I'm possessing it. Not because anything this flesh and blood can do, but because Christ Jesus, the captain of the hosts of the armies of the Lord, has said it's mine. And I'm going to take it because all of heaven's backing me up. I'm going to possess it. I'm going to declare it by faith. And I'm going to receive the possessions, the gifts, the promises that God has given me. If you're going to receive it, won't you say amen and stand up on your feet. Let's go before the Lord and close out in prayer today. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that by the spirit of you, Father, we speak by faith your truths, your promises, Father God. Surely they are in Christ, yes, and in him, amen. So even now, Father, we thank you. We are who you say we are. We can have what you say we can have. 
and we can do what you say we can do. For truly with you, Father, with man it's impossible, but with you there is nothing impossible with you, Father God. Won't you pray this prayer with me by faith? Say this, Father, I take possession of your promises. You said them, I believe them. I obey, you produce. I thank you, Lord. You're bringing me into the promised land of your promises. I'm in them now by faith, and I'll see them with my eyes. What my heart believes, my eyes shall see. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, amen. God bless you.